and welcome to the Reconstructionist Podcast, where we help you reconstruct while you deconstruct so you don't self-destruct. So I am super excited about this conversation that I had with Kim. Um, Kim was an amazing surprise. For a long time, uh, Emily, my fiance, was constantly telling me to listen to her, to listen to her, and I was like, oh yeah, 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 I'll do it. And I, I never did. And then eventually, during 2020, I got around to it. And I was like, wow, like, Kim is amazing. And so I've been a, a huge fan of hers ever since. And so having this conversation with her was was awesome. And, and we really dive into like, just church and i know for a lot of us like church right now we just look at all the political stuff we look at all of the abuse the scandals all these things and we're just like frustrated and we're just like this looks nothing like jesus this looks nothing like what the church was supposed to be and intended to be and so me and kim really just dive into it and the conversation is so amazing and surprising um and even for me like i was sitting there and i was just like my brain was kind of exploding thinking about all these different things and even i think kim offers a lot of permission to those of us who are feeling that to actually do something that you usually wouldn't hear someone in ministry say so with all of that i am so excited for you to dive into this conversation and i hope you enjoy listening to it as much as i did having it all right hey kim how are you aiden i'm great how are you doing Oh, I'm great. Uh, thank you for doing this. You have joined on knowing absolutely nothing about me or what this is. So <laughs> huge thank you to you for saying yes. I never thought you would ever say yes. So well, I'm happy to be here. And um, at the very least, let's just have a good conversation about stuff that matters, right? <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Uh, so for those who don't know who you are, can you just intro yourself a bit like who you are, what you do, um, what life has been like for you recently? You just let people yeah. know just a little bit about you. Yeah. So uh, my name's Kim Moran, and um, I live in Abbotsford, British Columbia, on the west coast. Just a, it's, I don't know, just under an hour outside Vancouver. And uh, I have been in church leadership for thirteen years now. So I was a youth pastor for four years. I worked taught at a Bible college. I was campus pastor at a Bible college for oh. five years, and then. Uh, co-lead pastor at a church here in Abbotsford for four years. So that's kind of like my work church ministry background. And then actually just a couple months ago, uh, left our, both my husband and I left our positions uh, at our church, right in the midst of COVID, the most uncertain time uh, in the world. And uh, yeah, right. Great timing. And we're just trying to figure out sort of what the next step looks like for us. Um, just as leaders in ministry and uh, in life, really. No, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I found you because my fiance has been following you for quite a while. So I owe it to her to say thank you, Emily, for showing me who you are. Because ever since I found you, I've been like, this girl is amazing. I love her so much. So well, I'm so excited. Well, good job, Emily. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so I know, I think recently, like, just all around and and this was like a big reason for me starting the podcast is I feel like this year has been hard 
for people, yeah. especially when it comes to the church and Christianity. Um, and recently, just like with political stuff and the uh, crazy ties people have to uh, political extremism and associating that with Jesus, that yeah. I know for a lot of people, um, church has been like just a weird thing. Like it's been hard. It seems like people are fake and it seems maybe they're unhealthy. Um, but so I just wanted to ask you, because you're a pastor, you've been a Christian for quite a while. You've been in ministry for 13 years. I just want to ask you, like, what was your first encounter with church and what actually made you stick around? Because I'm sure this mess and all these crazy things aren't new to church. They've been around for a little bit. Yeah, but. you know, they, they have, but I feel like we're getting it in a totally new way these last, mm -hmm. this last year or two. Um, but yeah, I was actually raised in a Christian family. So my parents kind of dragged, there's like six kids in the family I grew up in. So my parents just like dragged us to church, I think like twice every Sunday and to kids program during the week. And I was like a youth group kid. Um, but I think that I kind of had my own experience um, with God and my own understanding of like, okay, this isn't just what my parents are raising me in. There's something mm. about this that resonates with me. And I think it, it came from going through like a tough season in my teenage years where I was like looking for hope. I was looking for purpose, direction. Uh, and so that's kind of what led me to, you know, make my faith my own. And so I was like 16 years old. And I remember being at like a summer, a Christian summer camp. And just saying to God, like, I don't know if you could use me or not, but if you could, like, I'd be willing, I'd give my life to serving you. And then uh, ended up going to Bible college and studying um, theology and leadership and yeah, finding kind of like my full-time gig doing church yeah. ministry stuff. So that's how I ended up here. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So you've been doing this for a while and I didn't know that you were working at like a Bible college. It's so cool. What college did you work at? Uh, I worked at Summit Pacific College in Abbotsford, oh, okay. and so I was an instructor. I taught, taught some like practical ministry courses there, and the campus pastor as well. So we kind of did all the chapels and did a lot of one-on-one -on -one mentoring. I mostly mentored female students, and so yeah, I did that for no. five years. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you've been in ministry for a while. You've been from youth to being in college with young adults, and then also just being a pastor of a whole church. So as you look around right now, I just feel like um, this whole idea of deconstruction and even just uh, kind of looking at church and being like, you know what, I just don't want anything to do with this has been increasing. And so I just want to ask you, as someone who's been involved in this for quite a while, like, what are you seeing? Why do you think this is happening? Why do you think so many people are starting to just want nothing to do with church anymore? Yeah, honestly, like... I kind of feel like that myself, which is, I know a little bit like risky to admit that, but I've like, I've honestly felt the same way over the last year, especially where I've watched people's response to all the COVID stuff and Black Lives Matter and like some of these mm -hmm. different things that have happened in our world over the last year. And I've watched how people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who call themselves Christians, uh, like I've watched how they have responded and I feel like in so many ways I just want to give a disclaimer like oh like that's not me that's not the way because I, I think there's just like so many people that see the way that other Christians act and assume that all Christians are like that and then honestly with everything that's happened in this pandemic like 
we even watched it in the church that we were pastoring in where we kept saying like, church is not the building, church is the people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden people aren't able to meet in the building and everything in their behavior is communicating that church is the building, not the people. Yeah. And I'm like, God, this is not like, this is not what it's supposed to be. And so I think honestly, like over the last year, I would say the year, especially, um, I think a lot of people have been reevaluating that of like, what is church about? Like, does mm -hmm. this even make sense? Like, am I the same as these people who I feel like their values don't align with mine and they're acting in ways that doesn't really resonate with me. And it feels anti-Christian in some ways. And I think there's a lot of people that are reevaluating a lot of things, myself yeah. included, where I'm like, where do I fit in this? Because I know, and I think a lot of other people would say this, like they don't want to walk away from their faith. And they don't want to walk away from their relationship with God. But when you take a step back and you look at the world around you, you're like, how do I fit in this? It's yeah. hard to, it's hard to figure out. Yeah, no, I've felt the same way. Um, luckily my church has been great through this where I've like found hope. I feel like if I was in a church that was kind of participating in some of the unhelpful, I would say unchristlike stuff, it would be very hard. Um, why do you think, because I know that for a lot of us as pastors, like we thought that maybe we were doing the right thing. Like, I know I thought, oh yeah, like we're really about Jesus and like having a relationship with Jesus. It's not about this building. It's about like the people. And then when COVID happened, it just was like uh, on a bricks where it was like, I don't, it, I wasn't doing what I thought I was doing. Like, it's so clear that even though we said we weren't about our programs and we weren't about like the show and we weren't about the stuff that like when all that stuff disappeared, the people mostly disappeared with it. And yeah. like, why, how do you think we got it so wrong that it took COVID for us to realize that somehow we weren't doing what we thought we were doing? And I, I, that's a great question. And I don't know exactly where it was that we went wrong, but I feel like, like I actually said to a friend of mine, like a month or two ago, I said, I feel like I'm looking back over the way I've done ministry over the last 13 years, and even more so the way I've lived my life for like the last mm -hmm. longer than that. Uh, and I feel like I've gotten everything wrong. Like, I feel like the way that I should have been doing ministry, the way I should have been living my faith. And I feel a bit, I don't, I know shame is like a really heavy, like almost like dirty word to use. But in some ways, like, I feel a little bit ashamed where I'm like, oh, no, mm -hmm. did I contribute to that? Like, was I a part of the problem? Because I love, uh, you know, the big, exciting worship experience. And I, you know, can get a little bit fired up when I'm speaking or preaching sometimes and like get people to come along with me. And, you know, I love, you know, seeing people holding signs and welcoming people mm -hmm. and shaking hands in the lobby. Like, it's a really fun, exciting thing to be a part of. But I'm like worried that we we built everything on that Sunday experience, and mm. I think that's why for so many people now that that now that Sunday is gone in the way that they've always understood it in that gathering, they don't even know how to live out their faith. Because I think for a lot of people, they've always checked a box of like, yeah. okay, well, I need to go to church and maybe give my money and volunteer so that I can get into heaven. And mm -hmm. I think that their faith has really been isolated to a Sunday service. And I'm like, did I contribute to that? Because like, anyway, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing in people's lives right now is they're like, if I don't go to church on Sunday, am I going to get into heaven? Like, what is it that, that is required of me? And so anyway. Why, 
this is a totally off topic question not what we were supposed to talk about but like why do you think that is why do you think why do you think for a lot of people i don't know like i just hear that too and i can affirm that that i've seen that but i'm also just like what like how i just feel like i've been trying to tell you that the whole point isn't just to get to heaven when you die like there's so much more but like why do you think we're still getting like it feels like we're still stuck like i thought we made progress but it still feels like for a lot of people, we're still stuck with the, I'm just doing this because I like fire insurance where you're just scared yeah, of hell. Totally. And so that's doing it. And, and I honestly think a lot of it comes down to understanding why Jesus came to the earth. Mm-hmm. Because when Jesus came, his main teaching, like the thing he said more than anything is like, he was here to usher in a new kingdom. Like he always yeah. talked about the kingdom of God is like, and so he's like, I'm here to usher in a new kingdom. Like it's time for a new kingdom to reign here on this earth. And I want you as humans to be a part of that kingdom and to live in that kingdom and to usher that in and to kind of help restore the world back to what it was like in the garden of Eden before sin destroyed everything. And that's not how most humans are living. Most humans aren't living Mm. of like, how can I make the world that I live in better? They're just trying to figure out how do I get what I need in order to get out of this world and get to Mm. heaven? Because I always hear people talk about, you know, this world isn't my home. I need to go on to glory. And it's almost like they don't care about what the responsibility here on this earth is. And I, I honestly think that if you were to boil it all down and get, get right down to it, I think that it's most people don't understand why Jesus came. They think Jesus came to die on a cross to forgive them of their sins so that they can get to heaven. And Mm. that's not wrong. That's like a part of what Jesus came to Mm. do and a very important part. But what he came to do overarching above everything was to usher in a new kingdom where we could participate with God in the restoration of all things. And I feel like for someone who's just living their life to just tick some boxes and get to heaven, well, as long as they go to church, as long as they pay their tithe, as long as they volunteer, as long as they're nice Mm -hmm. to so-and-so, then they can tick those boxes and get to heaven. But if your perspective is I'm going to join partner with God in the restoration of all things to see this kingdom of God ushered in here on earth, that gives your life so much more purpose. It's not about just going and ticking boxes. It's about everything I do. It's about every person I talk to. It's about every skill that I have in the way that I use it, restoring and redeeming what has been broken by sin here on this earth. And that's what I want to be a part of. And so when you've got these Mm. people who are whining and complaining, we can't gather. Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk so poorly about them, but (laughs) you have all these people who are very concerned that we can't gather together. I'm like, I think you're missing the point because the point of Jesus coming wasn't so that we could gather together as a church. Although maybe we can talk about this. I, I do think there is a place for that. Uh, I, I just feel like people people have kind of missed the mark in what they think mm-hmm. what they yeah. think they're supposed to do because they don't understand Jesus. Yeah, and that's that's interesting because I've heard recently I've had uh, friends and youth come to me and say, in fact, I had a youth come to me and they were like, "What do you think of this quote?" Like it was just like the normal shotgun question to see what I say, and the quote was like. I didn't leave church because I am done following Jesus. I've left church because I want to follow Jesus. Like, and so they asked me what my response was to that. And I gave my response, but I'd be interested to like hear your response. When you hear someone say like, I've left church because I look at it and just go, this is not God's kingdom. This is not what God came here to do. You guys are looking nothing like what Jesus was wanting to do. What would your response be to something like that? It's hard because I get it. Like mm-hmm. I, in, in some ways, I feel like I'm in a similar place right now where I'm like, I'm trying not because I do, 
feel like as the body of Christ and as brothers and sisters in Christ, like we need to be unified and not be against each other and before each other. So I like, I, I feel like I need to be careful what I say against other people who are like claiming to be Christians, but I kind mm-hmm. of feel like I, I want to leave the organized traditional church structure at, like, I want yeah. to leave that and be a part of something else because it really doesn't resonate with me. And I, I have felt the same way of like, Oh, don't call me a Christian. Like I'm a follower of Jesus, but that's not what these people <laughs> really are, even though they truly believe with their whole hearts that that's what they're doing. Like they really, mm-hmm. uh, they really believe that that's what they're doing. But I, I have felt the same way. And I think I understand when people, when people speak like that, because, um, it does feel like sometimes what, how do you follow Jesus and his teachings when it feels like the people that you're trying to do it with are missing the mark in so many ways. Like it just seems sometimes like it would just be easier to go and do something different, but I'm actually working on a teaching right now. Um, and the illustration that I'm using, cause there's so many people who are like, yeah, but I don't want to serve God or I don't want to be a part of church because there are so many people who are representing him wrong. And I'm like, okay, like I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but my husband is like a major coffee snob. And mm-hmm. so he spends money on these like fancy roasted beans and they're like the best beans in Vancouver or whatever. He's like a connoisseur about these things. So I'm like, you can get like the best coffee beans. Um, but if you give them to like five different people, they might prepare them totally different and you may get a totally different tasting cup of coffee, even though like the beans are really good. If somebody just like takes them and crushes them up, like with the back of a spoon and like pours them into a cup and mixes them around, like, yeah, like you're going to get a nasty cup of coffee, but that doesn't mean that the coffee's wrong. And that's how I feel mm. about God is that like, it's so easy for us to like throw out all of the, and think that like, Oh, I don't want to be a part of church. I don't want to be a part of God because we've seen people prepare it wrong. But if you Mm -hmm. like do the proper pour over and it's the right temperature and the right grind size or whatever, I don't even know if I'm talking about it properly, but if you do all those things for a cup of coffee, then you get to see the beauty uh, Mm -hmm. and the aroma and the taste and all the depths of flavor and the notes or whatever it is that like you get to experience all that. And so that's what I keep trying to tell myself. I'm like, okay, just because I have had a bad experience or I've witnessed people doing it wrong, doesn't mean that there isn't good. It doesn't mean that it can't be done the right way. And so I feel like my mission from this point forward in my life is to try and figure out how we can serve God and how we can do church in a different way that maybe doesn't resonate like the way that other people have experienced it, if that doesn't resonate with them, then maybe there is a way that we can do things differently because I don't want to just say that the coffee's bad just because it wasn't prepared properly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally hear that. Um, that's such an interesting way to look at it. Like um, that whole analogy of the coffee and you can use it in a wrong way, but it doesn't change like the substance of the coffee bean itself. It wasn't like that was wrong. It's that you're not doing this correctly. And I think... I think for a lot of people, um, this path here has been revealing. I think it's always been there. I just think it hasn't been as obvious where like, I don't know. It feels like every time a major Christian leader dies, I'm just waiting to hear the story come out and then the organization deny it. And then in a couple of months, it'll be proven to be true. And so there's all these scandals that are horrible of abuse. And then there's all these like stupid, honestly, it frustrates me. It's not that Jesus is very political, 
but Jesus isn't tied to a political party, if that yeah. makes sense. But it seems like there's just like this association, like the Jesus 2020 signs where like we're associating uh, Donald Trump with Jesus winning the election. It's like, what is going like it's and, and then for a lot of people, they see that. And it's true that we know deep down that this isn't what Jesus is like the coffee bean. Like that's not the problem. It's that how these people are using it is is terrible. And yeah. so that can like I felt it, that just makes you, yeah, like you said, I call myself a Jesus follower uh, because I don't like being associated with just like the generic, yeah. I'm Christian. Um, and then too, with like church, like, man, like for so many people, it's just hard to like, even, like, even I know when I go to get my haircut, this is my least favorite thing is always the question. It always happens. It's like within the first little bit, the first question will be, what do you do? And it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm a pastor. And, and we just dive into it. And I always get asked weird questions because they assume I'm Catholic. So they're like, oh, are you, can you get married and all this stuff? It's like, no, it's yeah. different. <laughs> Part of that. Yeah, different. Totally. <laughs> but it's always super weird. And I know even for um, people I know who are in university, like uh, they're in these classes and they'll be in classes to talk about like prejudices. And so they'll try to work through them and like identify the real prejudices they have. And for a lot of people in the college, they have prejudices against Christians which is really yeah. interesting they say like I got to be honest that when I meet a Christian and I find out they're Christian I just immediately just like ooh, like my posture to them is recoiled because I just think of all the stuff that's happened and I just don't associate yeah. with them I think that a lot but of me too do. yeah so like, like what I, do we I even what feel do we do? that because <laughs> that's the thing it's like I I feel that way when I like know that somebody else is a Christian I'm like oh what kind of Christian or I know mm -hmm. that when somebody meets me I'm like this just happened to me this morning where I was like, oh, I don't want to tell her that I'm a pastor because like, I don't want her to think because there's all this stuff from like colonialism to this, all this mm -hmm. stuff that's happening with the election in the US to some of the Black Lives Matter stuff or that, like all of these different things. I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to, like even, even here in Canada, when they're talking, yeah. you know, about some of the the like indigenous stuff and yeah. how the Christians came in and tried to indoctrinate like I don't I don't agree with that and I don't want to mm -hmm. be a part of that and I want to be able to uh, remove myself somehow from that history um, but it's hard it's hard to navigate that like ugly past and present um, and try and differentiate yourself from that but still follow God and live for Jesus and be a part of a church like that's really hard to do Mm -hmm. so what do we what do we do like I don't I don't even know like it's a real question like so we feel this it's not just us like other people feel who aren't even Christian and yeah. it's like what's what's the answer do we just come up with a new word and start the same thing but different or is there like do we need to do something different or is it more like we need to like infiltrate the, ch the churches <laughs> and like kind of uh, throw this stuff over like what should we do with that yeah, I honestly, like, I, I believe that there are going to be leaders who think the same way that we think in the way that we're talking right now, who are going to be in positions to be able to bring change and transformation. Like, I'm really, really believing that that will be able to happen. Um, and, and I hope that that influences things on a little bit more of a macro scale. But like on a micro scale, I think that it's going to take individuals like you and like I to step in and say like, okay, I'm going to at least change for the people of influence that I have. Cause even like in our city, like, I know that there's people who are like, oh yeah, you guys are different. 
yeah, but you're different than that. And so it's like, okay, I can try and change things one little group at a time. And if there are many of us like who begin to do that, and it's going to take a lot of work because there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of years of history that have like Mm -hmm. destroyed that image. But I, I don't know, like, I don't think you can change in five years what took 2000 years to destroy. Like, I think it's mm-hmm. going to take time, but that doesn't mean that we can't start now and begin to speak differently and lead differently and, and help people come to a different understanding. Because I think this generation, like the generation that you're working with um, and my generation, even, I think we're starting to ask questions and saying like, mm-hmm. something doesn't make sense here. And if we don't start answering those questions, honestly, and having conversations and helping lead people towards an alternative to what they feel disenfranchised with, they're just going to walk away and they're just going to say, screw it. I don't want to be part of this at all. So we have to, like, we have to offer a different solution. And I think the only way to do that is to begin to lead differently. Mm. It's scary. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that is scary. So the hard thing is like, I personally, like to be pessimistic and a little bit grouchy about stuff. Um, so it's easy for me to like look at these churches and just be like, ah, you guys are idiots. Like you don't know what you're doing. But I also know yeah. like somehow God is still working in it, even if I don't get it. Um, yeah. So I just want to ask like, is there, so we can look at all these things and be frustrated, which we clearly are a little bit. Uh, yeah. But has there been good, in some of this stuff that you've seen? And if so, like, what is some of the good that you think has gone on in kind of the craziness that we've seen recently? Uh, oh my gosh, there's a million ways I could answer that question. I think, mm-hmm. I think there is good that has happened and taken place in that, um, I think, I think it's easy for us to lump everyone together and say that like all people feel this way, everyone, or even if they're part of a certain kind of church that all the people in that church are this way. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. Like in my conversations with people of all ages, there are like a number of people who are seriously thinking about what their relationship with God really means. And Mm -hmm. like, I just had lunch um, with a a couple that are in their early seventies And they're talking about like, okay, we're really reevaluating things. We're really thinking about what our faith looks like and looks like to live that out. And so I think there's good that comes out of that. I think even though maybe people aren't doing it exactly the way that I think they should, there are people who are trying to get involved in their community and trying to come alongside and help. I think there's some good things maybe that are happening there, but I just keep trying to remind myself that just because a church isn't for me, doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's not for somebody else. And somebody Mm -hmm. else can experience real growth and real transformation and real life change Mm -hmm. and a really authentic relationship with God in that. And that's why I think like, sometimes I think we treat churches like once you're in a church, you have to stay in that church and you can't leave it. Like we're cheating on our church if we go somewhere else. But I'm yeah. like a big believer. If, if there's a hundred churches in my city, like I think they're all reaching different kinds of people. And so just because there's maybe a more traditional church that sings songs that I like put me to sleep or, you know, that preaching that I find really dry, that doesn't mean that there's not a demographic going there that has a really vibrant mm-hmm. faith and spirituality in that. So I think that 
I hope that people are learning that there are different expressions of the way that people can live out their faith and it can look a lot of different ways. And just because it might not work for you, that's okay. Just don't make a big deal about it. And like, I'm leaving if they don't change this. Okay, leave, go somewhere else where you can have vibrant faith. And I think we need to, some people I know have it would have a different perspective on this, but I think we need to normalize letting people leave a church and finding a faith community that mm. lines up with what they believe. And instead of seeing it as a loss or that person leaving, it's not a loss for the kingdom if they're still following Jesus. And I think mm. if we can be less competitive and more collaborative in the way that we do things, it's like, okay, this might be the right fit for somebody, but this church might be the right fit for someone else. And I'm all for loyalty and longevity and, you know, sticking around when things get hard. Like I'm, I'm all for that. As long as you're able to, like, as long as you're able to still thrive in your walk with God, if you can't do that, then I think you should find another place where you can, because there's no sense in you sitting around being useless someplace. Mm. Right. So anyway, I, th- I feel like that would warrant a larger conversation to really dig into. Cause I'm, I'm sure people are going to be like, I can't believe she just told people to leave their church. That's, and that's not necessarily what I'm saying, even though that is what I'm saying. Like, I think it's a bigger conversation than that, but I think there are probably people who are going to churches because they feel stuck and they feel like they have to, or they'll be excommunicated from their whole community if they find a different place to worship. And I just think mm-hmm. we need to normalize that a little bit. I got a little bit off track off your original question, but. No, that's good. So yeah, that makes me think that like, Why do you think that for a lot of us that the answer when we feel frustrated with either the church in general or the churches we go to eventually just wears on us where it feels like our answer can just be like throw in the towel and just get rid of church altogether instead of maybe I'll search for a different church that fits more with me. Do you think like, I just wonder, like, why do you, do you think it's part of the um, stigma behind the church cheating that's just easier to fade into the background and disappear and just give up on it than it is to go somewhere else? Or, like, why do you think, this is an honest question for me, like, I'm just like, like, I know for me personally, because I'm really committed to this idea of church, even if it, I don't know if we're always doing the right thing. Like I, I would try to find somewhere that I would fit more, but I know for some people it is hard to do that. And it just feels like the right answer is just to back out altogether. Like, why do you think there's like that tension? Um, just like, uh, be like, you know what? I'm just done with it. Like, I just don't, I don't want to get involved in another church. I'm just done. Yeah. I think th- that could be, there could be a number of reasons for that, but I think there's, probably a lot of people who think, well, this is just the way church is. And so if this is where, what church was like here, it's going to be the same place somewhere else. So there may be people who just think like, and it's mm-hmm. like, us when we say Christian, it's like Christian means one thing right across the board when it's like yeah. a spectrum that, you know, goes from wall to wall. Uh, like, I think that, that there may be people who have an understanding of church that's the same, or even if they're like, okay, no, like I'm, I'm Baptist, but even, you know, like there's still a spectrum, even in Baptist churches that it's mm-hmm. like, you can be this kind of Baptist or this kind of Baptist and what that looks, but I think sometimes people just paint it with this broad stroke and they think that like, Oh, well, this, that's church. And then I'm going to get that somewhere else. I think that might be part of it. And I think another reason is, um, 
yeah, I, I think it is people are maybe afraid of the backlash that they might get if they mm. go somewhere else or, you know, because you've heard people talk about like, oh, you're just a church hopper. Like, I feel like that was like old language that I heard my parents talk about when I was younger yeah. or, you know, people are just skipping out or they're canceling or whatever it is. Like, there's all this language that we use to talk down about people who've left rather than, um, kind of supporting them and embracing them on their journey. And that's the experience. Like when, when we were lead pastoring, um, it was a conversation that we had a number of times because there would be people who were like, I don't like the music. I don't think this church is for me. And we're like, okay, well, let, let's help you find another church. And they were like, whoa, 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 wait, you're telling me I have to leave? Like, are you kicking me out? And I was like, no, <laughs> but like, if you, if you don't feel like you can connect with God here and have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, then let's find another place for you to worship. They're like, well, I can't do that. This has been my church for 20 years. And it's like, there's something in them that feels like if they're in a community, they have to stay in that community um, where I just, I feel like there is a, there, the Bible does talk about community and it talks about fellowship and the relationships Mm -hmm. that we have with one another and coming together to celebrate. But I just, I, I, I I don't know. I just feel like there's gotta be a way for us to allow, to release people and allow them to find their own place to worship instead of taking it personally and insulted. If somebody leaves my church, like really saying like, okay, it's not a loss for the kingdom, even though I might miss your presence here every Sunday, it's not a loss for the kingdom. As long as you are like continuing to live out your purpose and your faith somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so good. I think even for me, like this happened before COVID. So last year I had like a, a group of friends who I was really close with and I still love them, but like church was a struggle for them because we are more, they're just very, they were very Calvinist and very complementarian. We are not Calvinist and very much not complementarian. So yeah. it, there was this like this, this clash where I was like, I love you, you people as people. And the followers of Jesus, and I really like you're a big part of my community. But at the end of the day, too, like every Sunday, you sit here and are just frustrated because, and we're never gonna be like, like we just don't agree on this. And so, eventually, I told them I was like, "Listen, this isn't even like a bad thing. Like, I'm saying, go somewhere where on Sunday you can sit there and not just be angry because not only are you frustrated, we're frustrated with you. (laughs) Yes, totally. We don't want to." And to have that permission in the same way too, I had some, some friends who were just like, I'm struggling with, with how non-diverse we are. And sometimes it's hard for me because I'm like, oh, but if you leave, then we will never be diverse. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. I do believe that it's like a real struggle. And if that's something that's really hard, like, I don't want you to feel like you just have to be here because you came here first. So I think yeah. that that's huge. And that makes me think in COVID, as uh, someone in ministry who's seen this, do you think that maybe, maybe instead of us thinking like, oh, people were more committed to our gathering and our building than they were to each other. Do you think maybe the truth is that more people just actually weren't committed to us as a church? And this was just an easier way to kind of slide back with less people noticing? Because I know for us as a church, like we still see lots of people online and they're connected, but like it's dropped. And yeah. I think sometimes, and I think that as a leader, I don't like this, where I'm like, maybe the reason why some of the youth aren't showing up to youth anymore isn't because um, they were committed to the show. I'm sure some of them were, but maybe it's actually because this was just the easier way to back out with like less feeling like you're having a divorce with your church. Do you think that that might be the case? Maybe. I've heard some people say like, this has been a great opportunity for them to check out other churches. And I think there are 
other people, like you literally, because you can tune into any service, church service around the world, if all you're looking for is like worship in the word, like if that's what you're looking for and not that connection and community and, you know, to type back and forth with someone on the chat or whatever, if you're literally just looking for like worship and some preaching, you, you literally can watch a service of some of the best communicators and preachers and teachers around the world right now. Like, I think there's a lot mm -hmm. of churches here in Canada that our numbers have dropped and our viewership has dropped, but I think like Mike Todd's church is like quadrupled in size and he's mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of then Stephen Furtick, like everybody's watching like yeah. all these magnetic personalities and these great preachers who, you know, can just like hook everybody in um, because people can go there. And I think like some people are doing that. And I think a lot of people are just using it as an opportunity to say like, oh, this other church down the street, like I, I like their worship better or, oh, this communicator is a little bit better than this person preaching. Maybe I'll just tune into them. And so I think it is a chance for people to like shop around mm -hmm. a bit as much as I like hate that consumeristic idea around church. I think that there are some people doing that right now to see if there's a place that they fit better. And it may be because they were already feeling discontent and wondering, is there a better fit out there for me because something wasn't connecting or maybe something wasn't um, feeding them the way that they thought church should. And so they're going, going to look somewhere else for it. For sure. I think that's mm -hmm. happening. What? Cause I know for me, I hear that and I'm like, it makes sense, but it also kind of freaks me out a little bit for them personally. Like, does that knowing that someone, cause I know, I know people who have been like, ah, uh, like, for example, like Mark Clark at Village is a better preacher than so-and-so in Saskatoon and their worship is like high quality because they have the money to do it well yep. online. Is, is there a part of that that makes you a little bit nervous during this season to hear that? Because honestly, for me, I'm like, uh, as a pastor, I'm like, but it's about the community. It's not about yeah. like that. It, not that it's not important. Like if I went somewhere where like every week, like the songs were just horrible and like I just didn't connect with the preaching at all it makes sense that I just but is there also like an aspect of that that makes you a little bit nervous or do you oh, see yeah. like I'm with it like it's fine if you're going to church somewhere that's like you'll never actually meet anybody like how does it, how does it I mean it's all if all you're looking for is teaching and singing then fine but I think that I don't think that that, like when you go back and study the New Testament church in like the book of Acts and in the New Testament, and as we like have all these readings about how people engaged in church life, I don't see the focus of the church at all being just the teaching and the worship. Like there mm -hmm. is a part of it. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. They gathered in the temple to worship together. Like that was an aspect of what they participated in. But that's not what you read about, like almost in the entire New Testament, that's like such a small part of what you read about. But if that's what people think church is, and that's all they're um, looking for, then yeah, it freaks me out a little bit thinking you're going to have all these people who think church is just worship and word. And they're going to be going and listening to Mark Clark and listening to worship at Village. And that's, they're going to be content just doing that. But all of the other parts of that, like fellowship and community and, and bringing heaven to earth in their own community, they're going to miss out on all of those aspects that really is what the church is supposed to be. And, uh, and, and that does, that does scare me a little bit, but I think that's not a byproduct of this season. I think it's a byproduct of like really bad discipleship. And I'm guilty of this too. Mm -hmm. Like I literally, I said, I've been in ministry for 13 years. So I am a part of maybe some of that bad discipleship teaching where we haven't 
led people to understand the purpose of the church well enough up to this point. And so they don't know any better. They're like, they, they think they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and they're fine with that. So yeah, I, I am, I'm, I'm nervous for post COVID church in Canada for sure, because mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's going to look like. And like I said, from this point forward in my life, I'm committed to trying to figure out how to like reach some of the people who traditional church is not reaching. Um, mm-hmm. And so my goal is going to be to try and figure that out and figure out what to do moving forward. But yeah, I'm scared out of my mind, <laughs> mm-hmm. like abandoning everything you've ever known to do something that you have no clue how to do it. And that's yeah. terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. So, man, this conversation has been so good that I'm completely derailed from anything I was supposed to be talking about. So I'm trying to find a way to, like, wrap it all together. <laughs> Bring it all I back. Think, <laughs> I think I almost want to ask you, like, so we've talked about looking at the church and seeing things that just are not, are just honestly not what Jesus would be like. Yep, that's what I'm about. And then we've also talked about um, struggling with maybe the show of things or putting um, like worship and preaching, not that it's bad, but we've like put it over community where that's more important. So we've talked about all these different things of what church isn't, but to you um, and for those of us who are struggling with it, like, honestly, when you look at church and in your own mind, what do you think church actually should be and should look like like what did jesus actually intend for us to be i think when when jesus came to earth and he came in to usher in that new kingdom and he was like the kingdom of heaven is at hand like this new kingdom is here i think what he was inviting us into as humans was to say okay it's time to live your life different it's time to live your night life in this new reality and so i think like the label of church that we put on things was just all these people, the, all these humans who got it. And were like, yeah, like let's live differently now. Let's, let's do things. Let's transform earth. Let's bring heaven mm-hmm. to earth. Like let's transform things. Let's partner with Jesus in the restoration of all things. Like it was like an individual human experience of them recognizing that for yourself. That's the individual part of our relationship with God. And the church banner over that is just a bunch of those people who are like, Hey, I'm trying to do that. Are you trying to do that? Yeah, let's get together and encourage each other. And so I feel like in my mind, when I think about the future of like what church might need to look like in the future, I'm like, it has the foundation of it has to be people understanding their identity and their purpose Mm. first of like of who they are in like in who Jesus came to call us to be. Like we need to first understand like, what is our purpose? What are we first trying to accomplish? And if we can really understand that identity uh, in who we are and what he's asking us to do, and then partner with some people who are like-minded to say, let's encourage each other in that, and then get together to celebrate what we've been doing all week long, because we say that that's what church is like, oh, it's not about the Sunday we're celebrating on Sunday. It's a celebration service to celebrate, you know, what God's been doing all week long, but it isn't. It's people coming Mm -hmm. to church on Sunday to get filled up, to try and get an extra dose of what they need just to Mm. maybe make it through a couple days in the week. And that's twisted. Like, I think, I Mm. think what church is supposed to be is a bunch of people who resonate with what Jesus came to do, who believe his teachings, whose lives have been transformed by them, living their lives different, gathering together to encourage one another in that and then getting together. I don't even know if it needs to be once a week, but we can talk about that another time, but like <laughs> getting together periodically 
to celebrate mm -hmm. what it is that God's been doing. And that's where I think you can have baptisms and testimonies and, you know, joyous worship and celebration and maybe, you know, a charge for believers. But I just, I just don't know if church needs to look the way that it has looked in the past because uh. um, like there used to be a time where the, you, you had to go to church and everyone had to sit in a row facing forward to hear the preacher. Cause that was the only way to hear the teaching from the Bible. It was like, you couldn't read your own Bible yourself. If you had to hear, and we're mm -hmm. still five, 600, 700 years later, living in that same model of like, we have to go to the physical building, listen to the preacher talk for 30 minutes. If they're feeling really on top of things. And, and like, that's the only way we can absorb information. Now we literally can like you can listen to any biblical teacher. You can take, you know, all these theology courses online. You can you can listen to podcasts. Like there's so many different ways that you can learn and that you can interact with other people. It just may not need to look like it has in the past. So I think it is mm -hmm. a foundational part, understanding our purpose, gathering together, encouraging those people who are on that same trajectory that you are, and then finding time to get together and celebrate what it is that God's doing in our lives and in our community and through our outreach. Um, that's that practically, what does that look like? I'll, I'll let you know in a year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, that is so interesting. It, what you said to made me think of school systems. Cause I remember when I was in school, uh, we'd always just be frustrated with teachers and we'd be like, we're living in a system that was designed like a hundred years ago. And now it was designed yeah. for a specific purpose. And now we like know more and we're learning all these things that are irrelevant just cause that's what we've always done. And there was like the frustration yeah. of why, cause other school systems in the world have like switched from what the Canadian one is and, and it's more, yeah. um, intentional as to what a student learns depending on where they want to go in life. Uh, yeah. and, and so, man, what you said in the same way, I don't even know what the answer is. Cause it's like, we are still doing church in the Western world, at least the same way we were doing it when it had to be done this way, because people were illiterate. They didn't know how to read the Bible. They didn't even have access to their own Bible. And so they yeah. needed to come together, hear someone, give it to them. And like, I don't know, I guess if you have like the black death or something, you probably need that encouragement for the rest of the week. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and we're still doing it. And I don't even know what the answer is. And I think about different things. Like I know Francis Chan has his theory on what we should be doing, which is like all house churches. And then in, in China, you can't even like, you can't have a gathering. So like the church looks completely yeah. different. And I almost wonder if it's like, for those who are frustrated with church, I know the pastor in me wants to be like, no, come back. But I wonder if like mm -hmm. part of it is like, maybe God's doing a new thing and saying, instead of just, trying to find to do the same broken thing somewhere else actually maybe start something different that yeah looks like something we haven't seen before what is that i have no idea and that's the thing like aiden you're so right and i think that we as christian leaders and pastors in this season need to watch our egos in the midst of this because mm -hmm. i think it will be really easy for us to convince like to convince people that they should do what continues to give us a paycheck or continues to keep us employed or yeah. continues to feed our ego of what we get validation from. And I think we just need to be careful that we're not just encouraging people to keep up with this cycle just because like, Oh, will I lose my job if none of the kids come back to youth or will I, you know, uh, what, if, what yeah. if our church goes from 500 down to 200, then will I get fired? Like, I think we just need to reimagine and stop and take some time and pray and spend time in scripture and be like, okay, God, like you're the same God, like the message has not changed, but our method has to drastically 
be redone. Uh, and I think that that is going to be the responsibility of so many church mm-hmm. leaders is to stop and say like, okay, let's reimagine the future because this is going to be a turning point for us in our lifetime. And I think yeah. for the church, like, I think we're going to read, not us, but our children's children's children are going to read about this uh, as a turning point in church history down the road mm-hmm. when things began to change um, with how technology and the digital world began to be a part of things too. So see what happens. Oh, that's so interesting. So last question for you. Um, as you look at all this stuff, as you're feeling all these different things, oh man, this has been so good. Um, what gives you hope for the church? What is what, what are some things that you're seeing that you're like, this makes me feel encouraged and like actually look towards the future of the church with hope and not just pessimism. What are some of those things that you're seeing? Um, I think for me, it's that the, the things that have been like stirring in my own heart, I have been talking to so many other leaders who feel the same way. And so even though there is so much that is like, I'm just heartbroken about, I feel like there are a lot of people who are asking the same kinds of hard questions. And that's what gets me excited and gives me hope. Like even having this conversation today, I'm like, Hey, we can do this. Like we can yeah. change the way that people experience church in Canada. Like Canada's not that big. <laughs> like we can <laughs> we can make things different. We can do things different. And there's so many mm-hmm. leaders who I'm having the same kinds of conversations with where they're saying like, yeah, what is this going to look like for me? And there are other people who could care less. They still want to fight to like take on the government to court yeah. so that they can gather and all that stuff and like there are still those people, but I think there are so many people who are hopeful and excited about the future. And that makes me hopeful and excited because I'm not this lone ranger out there being like, somebody listen to me, church needs to change. Like it, yeah. it is, it is something that uh, I think is stirring up in the hearts of a number of people who uh, haven't even been connected in the past that like what God's doing in my heart, he might be also doing in your heart. And we didn't even know each other. And that's mm-hmm. just like popping up all over the place. And so that's my hope is that, um, somehow, somehow God's stirring up something and doing something new. That's going to propel us into a new season of church life in Canada, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kim, thank you so much for doing this. This conversation has been not at all what I expected it to be, but it's been amazing. <laughs> I I'm super pumped. I'm like, man, I wish I could listen to this conversation over again and have it for the first time. Like, honestly, this has been so good. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Aiden. And just, I, I just want to encourage you, keep having these conversations um, with, with whoever will listen, because I think even if we don't have the answers, as we begin to have conversations, it might just spark something. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like that's how God works, is like, he's given me different gifts than he's given you, but uh, we need to all be able to like, what, what you say, what I say, what somebody else hears, the conversations that happen between two friends who hear a conversation, that's how we're going to begin to like see this conversation like ripple out. And so just good job on you. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, have the conversations and really, really enjoyed being able to chat today. So thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Me too. Thank you so much for doing this.